We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for April 11, 2011. Continuing where we left off, uh, next article. This is um, from CNN. And it's a Bangladeshi girl charged with adultery was lashed to death. And this is a, another Muslim Islamic issue, as you'll see. Uh, starts out by saying, Hina, actor's last words to her mother, proclaimed her innocence, but it was too late to save the 14-year-old girl. Her fellow vi- villagers in Bangladesh, in Bangladesh's Shatarakpur district, had already passed harsh judgment on her. Guilty, they said, of having an affair with a married man. The imam from the local mosque ordered the fatwa, or a religious ruling, and the punishment. 101 lashes delivered swiftly, deliberately, in public. Hena dropped after the 70th lash. Bloodied and bruised, she was taken to the hospital, where she died a week later. Amazingly, an initial autopsy report cited no injuries and deemed her death a suicide. See, this is what... Islam does to a society. It will turn them into a bunch of mass liars, is from what I can see. Because as long as whatever you're doing is protecting Islam, or your fellow Muslims, or Allah, it's okay to lie. And the, and the Quran will tell you that much. Hina's uh, family, I mean, here's a public whipping, and the, the autopsy said that uh, she had no, cited no injuries and deemed her death a suicide. And it was a pup, I mean, it's just insanity. And his family insisted her bodies be exhumed. They wanted to know what in the world had really happened to their daughter. Hina was the youngest daughter, youngest of five children, born to Darbish Khan, a day laborer, and his wife. They shared a hut made from corrugated tin, decaying wood, and led a very simple life that was suddenly marred a year ago with the return of Hina's uh, cousin, Mahub Khan. Um... Khan came back to Shartapur from a stint working in Malaysia. His son was Hina's age, and the two were in seventh grade together. Khan eyed Hina and began harassing her on her way to school and back, said Hina's father. He complained to the elders who run, ran the village about his nephew three times Hina's age. So it was his nephew. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't have been complaining to the elders. I'd be complaining right to that guy's face. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously it didn't do any good. You know, um, we're talking about his daughter here. You know, so, um, going further, it said that Khan eyed Hina, began harassing her way to school and back. Uh, elders admonished Khan and ordered him to pay $1,000 in fine to Hina's family, which never happened. Many months later, on a winter night, as Hina's sister Alea told it, Hina was walking from her room to an outdoor toilet when Khan gagged her with a cloth, forced her behind nearby shrubbery, and beat her and raped her. So this pedophile beats her, rapes her, gags her, okay. Hannah struggled to escape. Aaliyah told CNN, Aaliyah being her sister who saw the whole thing, Khan's wife heard Hina's muffled screams. And when she found Hina with her husband, she dragged the teenage girl back to her hut beat her, and trampled her on the floor. Oh, I hate injustice. The next day, the village elders met to discuss the case in Khan's house. The imam pronounced his fatwa. Khan and Hina were found guilty of an illicit relationship. Now remember, in according to Shahara law, 
you know, in order for a woman to prove rape, there's got to be like four male witnesses. So that never happens, right? Or three or four. Well, again, so the man, you know, always has the benefit of the doubt because there's never going to be four male witnesses witnessing a rape. And if they were, they probably were part of it. Her punishment, heinous punishment, who had been raped, um, beaten, gagged, and then beat and uh, stomped on by his lovely wife, her punishment under Shahara Islamic law was 101 lashes. He, his punishment was 201. But Khan managed to escape after the first few lashes. I guess they didn't have him tied too tight. I wonder if that was by design. Darvish Khan and his wife, now Darvish Khan is her dad. Darvish Khan and his wife had no choice but to mind the imam's orders. I mean, I, I can't imagine submitting to a religion like this, where some guy, some devil from the pit of hell is viewed as essentially like God, and whatever he said goes. You know, cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and his heart departeth from the Lord, according to Jeremiah 17.5. Khan managed to escape after the first few lashes, uh, uh, but... Darvish Khan and his wife had no choice but to mind the imam's orders. They watched as the whip broke the skin of their youngest child and she fell unconscious to the ground. God bless that poor girl. But again, this is just more evidence of of how they treat women in that religion. Um, Not without my daughter. With Sally Field, I had a listener send me the actual, uh, you know, Taylor and I have actually watched it several times. But, um, that really gives you a good idea of what it would be like to live under Shahara law. I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, that walls closing in type of feeling that, you know, the, the walls are closing in. That is how that has got to be for, a, for an Islamic woman. Now, I know a lot of them are on board with the program and they're just as evil probably as whoever, their husbands or whatever. And I'm not saying that again like I want them to go to hell. I'm just saying that they're they're full of demons. They are... Demon infested. This is a very wicked, evil cult that they're a part of. And you don't stay a part of something like that, particularly if it's generational, and not get infested with devils and demons. It cannot happen. So I I just can't imagine what it would be like for somebody that would live in that environment, particularly a woman, and want to break free. My heart goes out to them. I mean, oh, and and we should be praying for them because it's, it's, it's a very, very terrible thing. Um, and this is just a little evidence of that, a little more evidence of that. Um, next article is a clip from MSNBC, which they state that burning a Quran is much worse than burning a Bible. And we're going and this is this is on the whole thing that just happened recently. And I'm gonna go ahead and roll this clip here. It's very short. The thing to keep in mind that's very important here is that the Quran to Muslims, it's not, it's not the same as, as the Bible to Christians. The Bible is a book written by men. It's acknowledged by Christians that it is written by men. It's the story of, of Jesus. But the Quran, if you're a believer, if you're, if you're a Muslim, the Quran is directly the word of God, not written by men. What a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, it, it, again more lies to elevate their devil corrupted contradicting Quran book I could do a whole study on on all the contradictions in the Quran I mean I mean it's full of them it's replete with them 
And you know, it centers around Muhammad, who was a pedophile, took a wife of, of six named Aisha, consummated the marriage at the age of nine. Or was it three that he took her? I don't know, three or six. The guy was a total pedophile. And that's one, you know, they grant him temporary marriages so that they can have sex with, with little girls. I, I gave you that account of the Ayatollah Khomeini who had done that with one of his devil falls. The, the, guy, the guy gave him his three-year-old daughter. and He brutally raped her the whole night. And the whole family could hear his screams in the next room. But it was okay because he was a holy man. And he was the Ayatollah. And, you know, he granted, he granted his... This, this piece of garbage from the pit of hell, he granted her a temporary marriage so he could brutally rape this little three-year-old girl the whole night and then get a, get a, a divorce the next morning. Isn't that convenient? And still walk out of there feeling, you know, I guess just as sanctimonious and pious and, and holy as ever. You gotta be really demon possessed of the toenails to pull something like that off. You gotta have your conscience seared so, so bad with a hot iron as the Bible would talk about that you can't even see straight. I mean, there's no more conscience. There's no morality. There's no goodness within you. The only thing that's in you if you're doing something like that is pure darkness. And the, all the all the the pedophilia I, I had reported on recently with these the the boys of Afghanistan the dancing boys of Afghanistan, and how one of the most prized possessions over there is to have you a little you know eight nine ten eleven year old boy that you basically have as your little sex slave, and they dance around for you in in, in Islamic garb and there's whole there's whole documentaries even on PBS about this, they're literally inside showing this. I mean, it's so sick what goes on here. And this devil has the audacity to elevate that piece of garbage book known as the Quran, inspired by Satan himself, over the Bible that was given by divine inspiration. Divine inspiration. Yes, through men, but through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, through divine inspiration. That has proved itself accurate on literally hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. Jesus Christ alone, there were over, I believe, 300. And I've got a whole document that goes into this. I just, I'm trying to uh, to draw, you know, I love how he speaks on behalf of Christians. Do you, do you realize that's what he's doing? He's speaking, this is an MSNBC commentator here, t- telling us this. He's giving me an, 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 a, 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 a lecture or a teaching on Christianity and Islam. He's going to set me straight, because evidently I don't know as a Christian about the Bible. But, you know, there's a lot of lukewarm Christians out there that would just probably be shaking their head. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the Bible is just a book written by man, and, and uh, that was actually given from God. Yeah, a fallen angel named Allah, the moon god, goes way back in paganism. Came from Satan himself. I'll I'll agree with it that it came from the moon god, but not the god of the Bible. Let's go further. Directly the word of God. That makes it sacred in a way that it's hard to understand if you're not Muslim. So the act of burning a Quran is is much more potentially much much more inflammatory than than if you were to burn a burn a Bible. Directly attacking God. Jim Directly attacking God. Anyway, um, 
I know I've had a lot of people email me about that and asking me if I can condone. I'm not saying I would do that. I'm not saying that I would, you know, hold a news conference and burn a Quran. If I had Qurans, I would burn them by the dump truck load. If I could, you better believe it. I would. But I'm not going to say I'm going to call cameras. They're cursed books. They need to be burned, just like they were in Acts. The Bible says that when, when in, in Acts, they brought together their, their books of curious arts and things like this, of, of the dark arts, and then it says it valued their, their price at so many pieces of silver, and they brought them together and burned them. Virtually, most of the converts at that particular uh, time in Acts, at least for that particular setting, must have been either dabbling in witchcraft or, or were very much into witchcraft. Islam is nothing more than, than, a, a, than a different form of paganism and witchcraft. All false religions at some level are a form of witchcraft, if you think about it. I mean, you're dealing with lying, deceitful devil spirits that you're either praying to, sacrificing to, whatever. Well, isn't that what the witches do when they go and they try to conjure up spirits? It's just a little more honest when a witch does it. Whereas, you know, when Islam does it, oh, we're going, you know, we're praying to the same God as, as you Christian. No, you're not. No, you're not. This has nothing to do with Christianity. You are of your father the devil, and of his works you will do. Okay? He was a liar from the beginning. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Islam, and its, its core root, that is its mandate. To kill, steal, and destroy. Going further, next article. Florida judge orders Muslims to follow Shahara law. In Tampa, Florida, dispute arose over who controls the funds a mosque received in 2008 from an imminent domain proceeding. Former trustees of the mosques are claiming in court they have the right to the funds. Current mosque leaders are disputing the claim. The current mosque leaders want the case decided according to secular Florida civil law, and their attorney has been vigorously arguing the case accordingly. So actually, what they're asking for really isn't, isn't a bad thing, the current mosque leaders. The former trustees of the mosque, though, want the case decided according to Shahara law. Obviously, one side knows they're going to they're going to get a victory if it's decided by secular American law, case law, civil law, and the other side knows that if it were judged according to Shahara law, they're going to get the victory. It's not because you know one side is 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 all of a sudden wanting to adhere to the Quran and be true to, to Islam. I think it's about who's going to who's going to make out with the money. And I think one side knows that I'm going to prevail if it's Shahara. One side knows that it, they're going to prevail if it's Florida civil law. I, I, you know, that's my opinion. But uh, the former trustees of the mosque want the case decided according to Shahara law. The judge recently ruled, though, the, this case will proceed under ecclesiastical Islamic law, Shahara law. The, the judge did, pursuant to the Quran. That was an exact quote from the judge, an American judge. You can read the, the judge's ruling here. I'll give you a link. You can click on it here. So a group of Muslim leaders, the current mosque leaders, who do not want to be subject to Shahara law, are now being compelled to do so by an American judge. I really believe that once Obama got in office, he installed a lot of people that have a lot of Islamic roots in different various factions of the government. And this is a way he's going to, quote, give back to his Islamic brethren. And their 
the undercurrent of things in our government are going to be pushing for more and more of this, implementing Shahara law, special protected rights, just like, and they're going to try to form, you know, Dearborn, Michigan. We're going to talk about that in a second. Where, you know, you've got whole cities that are now being taken over by the Muslims. Uh, so, this is reminiscent of the 2009 New Jersey case where a Muslim woman sought a restraining order in civil court against her Muslim husband who was raping her several times a day. The judge denied the restraining order because, in his opinion, the husband did not commit a crime because he was following his Islamic beliefs. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, could you imagine if there was any part of the Christian Bible that said it was okay to force yourself and to rape your wife? The Bible says, render unto your wife due benevolence and her back to you. That doesn't mean you force her to have sex with you and rape her. But it's okay for, for, the, for the Islamic people. I mean, if the Bible you know, indicated that anywhere, I mean, that would be like the gay rights people, Islam, every religion on the planet would be all over Christianity. But it's okay if it's Islam because we can't say anything to, you know, uh, to tarnish that wonderful uh, exterior and, and reputation that this wonderful religion of peace so rightly deserves, you know, as we can see. Uh, in the New Jersey case, and now in the recent case in Tampa, Muslims found themselves being subject to Shahara law against their will. It's pretty bad when you come to America and you're subject to Shahara law against your will as a Muslim. Just shows you how how. There's certain factions of our government, how hard they're pushing for this. It's not a trivial issue. It's not. Um, here's another video I would like you to kind of just, these are just like little clips I found. And uh, this is a uh, Muslim Student Association Pledge of Allegiance. This is straight from a college uh, campus where these guys are speaking. And it's, it's uh, the Muslim Students Association's Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, it was on a campus in Canada. And it says, Jihad is my spirit. I will die to establish Islam. And this is being spoken in right on stage at a college in, in uh, Canada here. And we want to say to the brothers and sisters who are here, you know, we have brothers and sisters who are here today amongst us who some of their, like, their, their family is, like, locked up. Like, locked up. Here today. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I paused it because it's an MSL West Conference, UCLA. Oh, it's not Canada. It's UCLA. January fifteenth, two thousand eleven. This just took place back in January. So, just to let you know, I'm going to start it again here. Who some of their like their their family is like locked. This is Amir Abdel Malik, Muslim Student Association, um, and this is on secret evidence. And we say to y'all, hang in there. Hang in there. And we will continue to make dua for you. And don't give up. And we have to embrace them. And not kick them to the curb. We have to embrace them. Y'all go back and get to work. We will end with the Pledge of Allegiance. And so, you will repeat after me, inshallah. Allah is my Lord. Islam is my life. The Quran is my guide. The sunnah is my practice. Jihad is my spirit. Now, jihad is holy war. Holy war against the infidels. And this is in UCLA. You know, again, this should be front page news. And, and you know, no, no, we, it's, it's not even newsworthy. 
Righteousness is my character. And paradise is my goal. Paradise is their goal. Well, what's the best way to obtain paradise? By, by killing an infidel. And the more, the better. The more you can take out, the better your reward is in paradise. So, jihad, paradise is my goal. I mean, what what is not the not-so-subtle implication here? Terrorism and, and kill as many of the infidels as you can kill. For I enjoin what is right. I forbid what is wrong. I will fight against oppression. And I will die to establish Islam. Notice how they love to speak these platitudes about righteousness and, and you know, to die to establish what's right. And everything about their religion is corrupted and evil. And yet they're so sanctimonious and, and holier than thou. It, it, it's just unbelievable. Okay, so... Again, the Muslim Student Association's pledge, a reinstatement of that is the Muslim Brotherhood's credo, which states, Allah is our objective, the Prophet is our leader, Quran is our law, Jihad is our way, dying in the way of Allah is our highest hope. And, uh, yeah, that, that's a, another whopper there. Um, another article here, another little video clip. It's called Losing Our Sons. This is the trailer, I guess, to this coming movie. Announcing the upcoming release of Losing Our Sons, a documentary film investigation and in the first successful homegrown Islamic terrorist attack on American soil. This is the story of a young African-American man from Memphis who converted to radical Islam, went to Yemen for terrorism training, and came back to murder a young army soldier in Little Rock, Texas. So again, more fruit of Islam... And let's go ahead and roll that one. William Long was born in Long Beach, California, and grew up in Conway, Arkansas. As a son of a Marine, William also wanted to serve his country. He had just completed basic training in the Marines and was about to be deployed to South Korea. Carlos Bledsoe grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, to a Baptist family. He, too, wanted to follow in his father's footsteps and join the family's tour bus business. Carlos was an athletic and outgoing kid who enjoyed music, girls, and cracking a joke or two. It was uh, perhaps one of the happiest moments of my life to see uh, graduation night for him to, to graduate uh, from high school. And, uh, you know, he had one of the biggest smiles on his face. That you could see. Shots rang out at this Little Rock shopping center shortly after 10 o'clock Monday morning. The victims, two U.S. Army soldiers standing outside this Army Navy recruiting center. 23 year old Private William Long of Conway was killed. A guy opened fire. He killed one soldier, hurt another. Just this morning, the suspect, you see him there, went before a judge. He was born Carlos Bledsoe, but converted to Islam and changed his name to Abdul Hakim Muhammad. I don't think it was murder, because murder is when a person kills another person without justice for five reasons. And, uh, and I thought, what I did was Islamic uh, justified and also justified. Okay, so this is the guy, grown-up, all-American boy here, but evidently stumbles onto one of these uh, black Muslim uh, organizations, converts to Islam, goes to Yemen to get terrorist trained, comes back, and just guns down two guys, two army um, 
I guess they were recruitment officers, in front of their recruitment station in cold blood for no reason whatsoever. Now, the one thing I, I notice about a lot of the, the attacks by these Islamics is the cowardice involved in, in the way that they do things. I mean, you know, if, if you're big and bad and bold and everything, why don't you, you know, why don't you ch- at least give your enemy... You know, they don't even know you're coming. You're just going to come and blow them away. I mean, and it doesn't matter if you're attacking school buses and little kids and killing little babies and, and little children. That's okay, too. That's just as valuable, evidently, to Allah. Uh, even though the attack was done in, in pure cowardice. You know? I mean, I mean, how much more of a coward could you be than to, than to do something like that to... Uh, People that, number one, aren't expected, and even worse, little kids and children. But this guy has the audacity to say he felt as though his these attacks were justified, and these guys needed to die. And, and why would he base that off? He would base it off the Quran. You know, he would base it totally off the Quran. Just kill and slay the infidels, who the Quran says that Allah has reserved a burning, blazing place in hell for. And to behead the infidels. And, and again, I've given you those quotes from the Quran in times past. Going further... How could Carlos, an all-American boy from Tennessee, feel justified murdering another all-American boy from Arkansas? This does not come from something that he learned growing up. This is not the son we raised. This is someone else. This is not Carlos. This is Abdul Hakim. Amen, brother. And that's his dad's a Baptist. And and he is so right to hit the nail right on the head. Because literally, you do this and you're not the same person anymore. That name change that they go go through, it's just not a name change. It literally is. I really believe you're dealing with very, very powerful. Uh, spirits that enter into a person when they convert to Islam, and the more they stay in it, and the more radical of factions that they stay, they're going to adopt. It's, you're going to adopt more demons, and they are going to take you over and affect your thinking patterns and processes, and to the point where you know you're going to be evidently capable of something like this. I mean, I look at this guy, I look at his countenance compared to the pictures of him in high school, and I, I can't even hardly recognize him. It's a totally different countenance. And again, um, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes and principalities and rulers of wicked, you know, these types of things. So that's something that we need to to bear in mind about this whole subject, are the spirits behind Islam and the Quran and all these things. It's the spirits that are governing these people's actions. The spirits that have taken over these people, and and many of them I just believe are flat out demon-possessed. I mean, I think to do something like this, you'd have to be pretty close to it, if not there. So it's always important to, to go back to that, uh, because that's where our real uh, battle is. So going further. His behavior was changed. He was manipulated. He was brainwashed. Melvin alleges that his son's Islamic indoctrination began while he was a student at Tennessee State University in Nashville, a cosmopolitan southern town known as Music City, USA. For it- I mean, can you imagine Tennessee, Nashville, and, and, and he gets and he ends up in Yemen? <laughs> but just it, it just to drive that point home, how 
close to home this is actually getting with these Islamic issues. Country music fame. We sent him to Nashville to go to school to get a higher education to be able to better himself and live a uh, pretty good uh, life uh, for himself and and for the future. And I think if you go back to Nashville, you'll find that it began there. He got involved with going to a mosque called the Islamic Center of Nashville. Americans for Peace and Tolerance has documented Carlos's tragic journey towards violent extremism and the potential effect of Islamic radicals on Nashville's historically moderate Muslim community. The investigation unearthed evidence of extremist Islamic ideology promoted on university campuses in Nashville and at several Nashville mosques by radical Islamic leaders. In Nashville, this smiling young man began to hate Jewish and Christian Americans, a hatred that ultimately caused him to reject his former hero, Martin Luther King. He was sent to Yemen. <laughs> Don't give me. I did a whole study recently on Martin Luther King. Okay, so I'm not endorsing every every aspect of this video. And the fact that, that they would say, you know, it was the blame of this radical, you know, Nashville's known for its moderate Muslim population. Listen, I just went over that whole thing. You give the devil an inch and he will take a mile, okay? You let the camel's head in the tent and pretty soon the whole camel's in the tent with you. That moderate Muslim stuff is garbage. Eventually it's all going to become radical and the radical factions will override the moderates like you wouldn't believe. And again, show me one place on the planet where moderate to, let's say, liberal Muslims have rose up against the radical elements and put them in their place and driven them out. It does not happen ever. Trained as a jihadist and returned to his homeland to kill. In the back of my mind, I did not understand it. how a religion can teach someone so much hate because you disagree with someone else's opinion or their style of life or their belief in their God. Ever since the shooting in Little Rock, Melvin has been talking to reporters and civic leaders about what happened to Carlos, with few results. A breakthrough came in March of 2011, when he told his son's story on Capitol Hill during Congressman Peter King's hearings on homegrown Islamic radicalization in America. Unfortunately, the media and some congressmen dismissed Melvin's testimony focusing instead on attacking Congressman King's hearing as a bigoted effort that can incite hatred of Muslims and more terrorist attacks against the U.S. This See, they just play the politically correct, correct card. So if you say anything like I'm saying today, I'm a racist full of hatred. When in reality, I'm just pointing out facts. That's all I'm doing. And the, the ones that are full of hatred and are truly radical and of Satan are the ones I'm trying to expose. But again... The Islamic world has this unbelievably protected status, really worldwide, and increasingly in America. And it's all by design to allow this to come in, and to infiltrate, and to eventually pull the trigger where all these Muslim, Muslim cells are already going to be in place, and it's going to be jihad holy war. And it's going to be something that they use to usher in, I believe, World War Three and... The coming Antichrist, because order out of chaos, which is the which is the thirty third degree Freemasons motto. You know, it's 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 the motto of the Illuminati. They're going to bring their new world order out of the chaos that they have created, and they're going to use 
this Muslim death cult religion mightily, it's going to be one of the most mighty tools they use to bring this in, I believe. Hearing today is playing into Al-Qaeda. The reaction of certain members of Congress to Melvin's key testimony during Congressman King's hearings seemed to marginalize the significance of Carlos's radicalization and its deadly consequences. While I appreciate the anecdotes of those who have spoken, I don't think that they are necessarily uh, very enlightening. Well, I think these anecdotes are interesting. Um, I don't believe these are experts. Is interesting the word you'd use to describe it? No, I think it's, I'll use it to describe it as a tragedy. We're worried about stepping on our toes, and they're talking about stamping us out. Amen. APT's documentary film will chronicle a young man's journey to jihad. It will also expose the role of Nashville's media and civic leaders in legitimizing extremist Islamic leaders who threaten peaceful coexistence in America's multi-ethnic society. I want to be able to say this to the American people and to the world. Now, it happened to my son. Just so you know, this is this is his dad. This is the um, I, 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 my, my heart goes out to him. But this is his dad. Uh, the the man that murdered the uh, the two recruiting officers today tomorrow your son the full story coming soon so it's losing our sons the Nashville connection uh, if you do a keyword search for that and I also give you the link to the YouTube video where you'll be able to find more. I mean, there's just so much evidence. It's just overwhelming. I have to really kind of almost cherry pick what I report on because there's so much I could report on. There's just not enough hours in the day to cover it all. Um, now, next thing is a, uh, it, it was an Arab festival for 2010 for Dearborn, Michigan. Now, Michigan and Tennessee are two states that have a huge Islamic presence already. And this was the Arab festival 2010. And uh, boy, this I'll tell you, <laughs> this really shows you how bad it's getting. Uh, it's entitled Dearborn Police Defending Islam Against the Constitution. Now, I've also got another link there that you can probably be the link you'd want to click on after. I'm not going to get into that, but what it is is, is the Arab Festival 2010, the response from the Dearborn, Michigan mayor. And what a deluded, uh, lying response from this mayor. I mean, just talk about, just lying, flagrant lying in this statement. And what happens is, is this group goes out and points out step by step all the things that the mayor has cited uh, aren't true. They're lies. They're total lies, and they can prove that. But, you know, again, anybody that goes against Islam in this country is just demonized. So I'm going to go ahead, I'm clicking into that video right now. So before I go to the, the main part of the clip, I'm not going to play the first part because it's, you'd have to watch the video fully to understand it, and there's not a lot of talking in the first part. But the one of the things they put up here is a fact. Under Shahara law, non-Muslims are not allowed to proclaim their beliefs to Muslims. Okay? So if you're under Shahara law, like in one of these quadrants of these cities, like in France, you are not allowed to proselytize or proclaim your beliefs to, to Muslims. And Muslims are not allowed to leave Islam. I mean, it's, it's not, it's like, you know, it's like the mafia. You don't get out except in a body bag, essentially. That's the way that they really want to work things. 
Okay, I'm just going to let you hear the first part of this, and then I'm going to fast forward a little bit, um, and uh, it'll make a little more sense to you. All right, David Lloyd with my friends uh, Paul and Antonio here. We are uh, not actually going to go into the festival right now uh, because we know automatically they're going to lock us up no matter what we do. They'll lie about us. Uh, it's just a way of life here in Dearborn if you're a Christian. So we brought a case. Okay, so they've got a Muslim Arab festival there in Dearborn, Michigan. There's three Christians out there that they just want to pass out um, gospel tracts. It's the Gospel of John in Arabic and in English. And they know that if they go in there, they'll be lied about and they'll be thrown in jail. So they're they're outside of this uh, Arab festival. They're not even inside. This is how bad it's gotten in America. And um, I mean, these aren't violent guys. They're they're not. I mean, they're 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 good Christian brothers. It's it's called Act Seventeen Apologetics is their organization. And I mean, they're out there just wanting to win souls. You know, God bless them. And um, this is what they've had to de- what they're having to deal with. Uh, copies of the Gospel of John in English and Arabic. We try standing outside of the festival and handing some of them out. I suspect they're going to stop us even then. But uh, we'll see. We hope that there's no problems. Okay, and then it's three minutes later, and I'm going to let him recap what happens in this very, very short time period. Um. They end up, he's recording this, the one man that was just speaking, he's recording, his two friends are there, just passing out, I mean, they passed out like one gospel to one Islamic, uh, there was like two or three women that walked out, and ten, I think it's at least ten cops walk up, ten, and 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 I, I'm like I'm I'm in disbelief watching this. I, I just I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. They were doing nothing wrong. They were outside the Arab festival, and ten cops walk up. And um, well, I'm going to let him explain what happens. All right. Uh, as you just saw, uh, two of my friends walked over to the Arab Festival, outside of the Arab Festival, and tried to distribute copies of the Gospel of John in English and Arabic, and they were stopped immediately outside the festival. So uh, You didn't see what happened afterwards, but they took us to the security booth, they photographed us, they took our uh, IDs, got the information, took our camera, uh, his cell phone for, for, for a little while. Uh, they let us go and just explain the rules to us. But what the rule is, it seems, is not that you can't distribute copies of the Gospel of John inside the festival. It also applies outside the festival. They told us we would have to go at least five blocks away if we wanted to distribute anything. So uh, this is getting very interesting here, boy. Let's look at some... So five blocks away. Now they've got to have a five-block perimeter as to not offend any Muslim people with this terrible Christian literature. Uh, and again, they had ten, uh, literally, it was about ten cops that walked up. I, I mean, I'm like, what? Evidently, they were just waiting for just anyone with any kind of Christian veneer to show up. So, you know, they could enforce Big Brother totalitarianism. Uh, I mean, this is really, uh, we're in a country now where, you know, freedom of religion and freedom of speech is just starting to absolutely vanish away. One of the places where you are not free to hand out information on a public sidewalk here in Dearborn. 
I'm on the corner of Kingsley and Warren, and I just want to say that I'll be arrested in Dearborn, USA, on the corner of Kingsley and Warren if I hand this out. Okay, so what they did, they're trying to illustrate this, and they, they had one of their uh, one of their girls in their group went to, I don't know if she was a block away from the festival or two blocks away at this point, and she said, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm at the corner of this intersection, and I just want to let you know I would be arrested in Dearborn, Michigan, if I hand this, this uh, Gospel of John out. And then the next one... How you doing? Uh, my name is Antonio Santana. I'm on the corner of Warren and Ebanon or something like that. I'm a former Muslim and I am not free to give a gospel of Jesus Christ here in Dearborn. And that's a former Muslim. You know, I mean, I guess he can really see both sides of the issue, but I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Hey, I'm Paul. Um, I'm here on the corner of Warren and Frida in Dearborn, Michigan, United States. And uh, if I were to take this Gospel of Jesus Christ uh, by John, St. John, and hand it out to anyone on the street, uh, I will be put in jail again. See, he's already been put in jail. In fact, I think all these guys have pretty much been put in jail. And just so you know, the the this response from the mayor that you can click on that one and watch as well, they still hadn't got their camera back at this point. Uh, the, the police confiscated the camera, and they were this. I mean, they were well outside of this Arab festival. Uh, but again, they just want to send a real strong message to evidently the police view us as infidels as well, us terrible Christians that you know we better not uh, step on any Islamic toes. about a trillion miles away from the Arab Festival in corner of Warner, Warren, and Wyoming, and if I walk a little bit past this intersection, I will finally, finally have the freedom here on a public street in the United States of America to hand out a copy of the gospel. That's where I have to go. So, uh, I just hope that Americans will start paying attention to what's going on here in Dearborn. Name me any city in the United States where I could not stand on a public street outside the festival where I could not hand out information about my beliefs. You won't find one. So I hope you pay attention to what's going on in America, but something's not right here. So that's uh, www.axe17.net and www.answeringmuslims.com. I don't know anything about those organizations. I'm just telling you what organizations they were. But I can tell you what, they were trying to stand up for righteousness. And I mean, you know, this is what happens. You know, this is what has already happened on a much grander scale, obviously, in the Middle East, in much of Africa, now we're seeing a lot of it in Europe, and it's coming to the United States, unless, you know, I really believe that prayer is the key, prayer and fasting is the key, but again, most, uh, I don't think most Christians have a clue about this uh, information that we're going over. I mean, maybe they do more, a little bit more now than they did a few years ago, but, um, I mean, this is this is some evil stuff we're talking about here. Yeah, and, and another thing, I mean, it's like nowhere in the uh, the video with these cops did I hear any uh, 
citing of laws or, or anything like that regarding why they can't do what they're doing. I mean, there's no freedom of religion and freedom of speech, evidently, in America. It's just that we're going to take this camera from you. You need to leave. We're going to detain you. We're going to fingerprint you. We're going to photograph you. And we're not going to give you any justification of why we do it. We're, we're essentially, it's like we're God and you're just going to submit to us. You know, that's tyranny. That's total tyranny. They had no basis of law other than maybe Shahara law, which as far as, 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 as much as I can tell, we're not under that yet in America. But uh, evidently we are, in certain spots particularly. Next article, Christians in Ethiopia told to convert to Islam, leave the city or face death. Officials in South Eth- the South Ethiopian city of Beshino are looking the other way as Muslim mobs in the city put death threats on the doors of Christian villagers, according to the organizations that work in the area. The door-mounted death threats are, are only the latest incidents in a series of acts of intimidation that include taking away church property, beating evangelists, and killing family members. International Christian Concerns uh, Jonathan Rako says the list of violent acts against Christians is growing. Christians in southern the southern Ethiopian city of Bejino are harassed and physically abused after Muslims posted notices on their door of the Christians' doors, warning the Christians that they had to convert to Islam, leave, or face death. Now, see, this is a place where Shahar law, evidently they believe uh, there's enough Muslims there where they can impose their rule and their will and their tyranny on other people. And in that case, they don't want anybody, I mean, those infidels have to go. Uh, this goes on to say this is a very serious threat against Christians where the majority of the city are actually Muslims, and that's the key. They are approximately 30 evangelical Christians living in that city. Explain the rest have all moved away, and there used to be a lot more. But they've all moved away as a result of this. A Christian uh, evangelist remains in critical condition after the Muslims attacked him, and about 100 Muslims attacked another group of Christians, injuring Christian leaders. The Christian leaders were on their way to negotiate for peace with Muslim leaders. That never works. Ask the Jews, and they still keep doing it. But, you know, that never works. There is no peace with Islam. The only peace is death to the infidels. Death to the Jews. That's that's the only way that, that Islam will ever have their brand of peace. Bunch of savages. Uh, local officials appeared. Local officials appeared with guns and said they can't come to church now. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. It says Rancho Rancho adds that the remaining Christians in the city have no place to worship. Local officials appeared with guns and said they cannot come to church. They can't even bury their dead there because there's no cemetery for Christians. See, the Muslims wouldn't want their precious holy land defiled with Christian bodies being buried there. This is how sick these people are. Uh, the local officials denied them when a Christian girl died. The mother was forced to take for her burial to a seminary, to um, a cemetery in a city that was 20 miles away from the city of Begino. Rachel explains that the significant detail is the persecution is done with the apparent approval of the uh, local government. And again, it's just another, you know, I'm trying to give you a lot of different broad stories regarding this particular issue and, and, and what an incredible, horrific problem that Islam is becoming on a worldwide scale. And so I wanted just to kind of update you 
uh, on that on that matter. Now I've got some other things to cover, and I probably what I should do at this point is just go to a part three because we're going to switch gears a little bit here and talk about some more domestic things in the America uh, in this third part of the study. So I'm going to go ahead and we'll stop part two here. We'll go to part three, and we'll see you on the other side.